Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Radical Compliance podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kelly, editor of Radical Compliance, and today we're going to look at financial reporting and compliance challenges around the new lease accounting standard. First, let me give you some background. The new accounting standard for leases went into effect for most companies at the start of this year. It requires firms to report the costs of operating and finance leases as liabilities on the balance sheet and to report a corresponding right-of-use asset on the asset side of the balance sheet. Up until now, leasing costs had been reported, yes, but they were buried in the footnotes. Now, for many companies, that can be a lot of money. For example, if you're in retail or other consumer sectors, this rule change could maybe double or triple the liabilities on your balance sheet, and that has all sorts of other implications for how you might deal with your lenders, how analysts might value the company, and so on and so forth. So this standard is a significant issue for most firms out there. Uh, There are also a lot of internal control challenges. For example, to comply with the leasing standard, a company needs to know how many leases do we have? How are those leases created? What are the costs of these leases? Uh, What is the value of the item that we are leasing? And so on and so forth. This standard went into effect at the beginning of 2019. And do not be surprised to hear this, but some companies have had struggles getting this standard implemented. Joining me to talk about all this is Bruce Pounder. He advises companies on technical accounting issues, and he is the founder and executive director of Gap Lab. That is Gap, G-A-A-P generally accepted accounting principles. Uh, So, Bruce, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. So, first question. Uh, Just tell us, by now, how many firms should be reporting lease costs under the new standard? And broadly speaking, how's it going? Matt, any public company whose current fiscal year began after December 15th, 2018, Mm-hmm. is required to have adopted the new standard had or before the start of that fiscal year. So for companies that report on a calendar year basis, which is the majority of public companies, their mandatory adoption date was January 1st, 2019. Companies adopting on that date issued their first financial statements reflecting the new standard at the close of the first calendar quarter of 2019. Since then, the effective date for many non-calendar year companies has come as well. So at this point, about 80% of public companies have adopted the new standard, and most of those have issued at least one set of quarterly financial statements post-adoption. That's several thousand companies whose financial statements and note disclosures now look significantly different because of the new standard. Unfortunately, these companies have experienced major challenges in implementing the new standard. And for the most part, companies are continuing to experience implementation challenges long after their adoption dates have passed. In short, companies struggled and are still struggling to develop and execute the critical business capabilities that are necessary for compliance. Implementation costs have been much higher than companies expected, and despite spending lots of money, companies still have plenty of unidentified and unmitigated compliance risks. So now let me ask, though, when you say that companies lack critical business capabilities, um, I don't disagree with that, but that is a very broad term. Are we really talking about a lack of skilled personnel or poor technology, or is there any sort of common theme to these challenges, or is this really 
case by case, each company is having its own personal struggle. What's going on? Well, these days, the accounting department in every company is very leanly staffed. What I'm saying is that this lack of human resources, both from quantitative and qualitative perspectives, has become the dominant constraint with regard to how effectively companies are managing their compliance risks around no accounting students. And for all companies, implementations of the new lease accounting standard in particular have been more stressful, more costly, and more risky as a result. Technology, which is often viewed as a viable substitute for people, has not come to the rescue here. That's because software providers have suffered from the same lack of skilled accounting personnel to design solutions that work completely improperly. You know, let me dive into a specific example just so readers can understand what we mean. And I would like to look at Comcast. So in its first quarter report this year, which Comcast should have adopted the standard as we have been discussing here, uh, Comcast didn't actually list any operating lease costs or right of use assets on the balance sheet. There was nothing on the balance sheet under those names. But if you look at the footnotes, Comcast reported that it had 4.2 billion in leasing assets and 4.8 billion in liabilities, and that it rolled those numbers into other non-current assets and liabilities. And those are the line items on the balance sheet. And they're much bigger than the 4.2, 4.8. So in a roundabout way, you do have those costs and assets on the balance sheet somewhere, but they're not readily apparent. Um, To me, that would seem confusing. So even if, uh, Bruce, if you don't want to dissect Comcast specifically, do you see other firms doing things like this? And like, frankly, what's up with that kind of disclosure? What's going on? Matt, I think Comcast's decision to not report lease assets and lease liabilities separately from other assets and liabilities is not necessarily wrong because GAAP permits companies to include the amounts of lease assets and lease liabilities in other line items on the face of the balance sheet as long as the detail amounts are explicitly disclosed in the notes that accompany the financial statements. Additionally, SEC Regulation SX permits including, shall we say, apples and oranges in a single line item Mm -hmm. if the individual amounts are below certain quantitative thresholds. And that's what Comcast did with their lease assets and liabilities, the same as many other companies do. Well, let let me push you on that point a bit, though, Bruce, because I I see where you're coming from, that under technical standards uh, or the technical language of the standard, maybe Comcast is in compliance, but... I mean, I do look at the spirit of this standard was to help investors understand what are the obligations for leasing and what am I getting for those lease assets? I mean, what would you say to an investor who says, I'm just trying to find these numbers and it's harder than I thought it would be? Are are they wrong to think that? Well, I think in the case of, of Comcast and companies who similarly push the detail into the notes, Mm -hmm. then investors and other users of financial statements absolutely have more work to do to dig around and get to that level of detail, to get to that level of transparency. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it counts very much for for the transparency (laughs) to be someplace in the thick uh, SEC filing other than on the face of the financial statements themselves. Uh, It's there, 
if you know where to look, if you know how to look, if you know to expect it there. But it is certainly not going to be apparent to a user who simply looks at the face of the financial statements expecting to find some very explicit differences versus, say, same time last year. And it's not there on the face. Yeah. So even though Comcast in this case, many other companies are complying with GAAP, are complying with SEC regulations, they're clearly not being of greatest value to the users of the financial statements by opting to bury the detail in the footnotes. Mm -hmm. Um, You had mentioned earlier that the technology vendors uh, are struggling here to provide the sort of help that one might hope for. Um, What is going on with the tech vendors out there trying to sell solutions? Well, at this point, there are more than 40 different software products and services that are being marketed as compliant with the new lease accounting standard. Unfortunately, none of them are fully compliant because none of them have the functionality to do all of the accounting and disclosures that the standard requires. Additionally, the functionality that the software does have often fails to cover the range of common fact patterns that companies routinely encounter in the real world. And worst of all, some software that appears to do the required accounting actually gives wrong answers. So the software that is available in the market is putting companies at significant risk of noncompliance. And that burdens them with the incremental effort and cost to mitigate that risk by working around the software shortcomings. And what about the audit firms out there? I I thought audit firms can solve all problems if you're willing to pay the sufficiently high billable rate. Uh, A lot of us wish that were true, but the the reality is a little bit different from that. Audit firms have been a significant part of the problem, and unfortunately, they have not been a significant part of the solution. I can tell you from firsthand experience that the firms did too little too late in preparing their audit teams to audit lease accounting under the new standard. And the recommendations to clients with regard to planning and executing implementation projects was uselessly generic. Even when companies engaged firms other than their auditors to advise them, all they would get, thanks to the firms being notoriously risk averse and protective of their independence, was advisors who simply quoted the incomprehensible standard to them. There was no added value, regardless of how much clients were willing and able to pay. Well, then let me pick up on what you just said about uh, the uh, quoting the incomprehensible standard. I'm wondering if we have a bigger issue here, that the compliance demands uh, are outpacing a company's ability to satisfy them. Uh, Lease accounting seems to be the crisis of the moment, but I can remember last year we had plenty of consternation about the revenue recognition standard. I already have people telling me that the uh, Cecil standard for credit losses next year, that's going to be the next big uh, panic party. Um, So what is really going on here about the compliance burdens and how do we get out of this jam if it is that big of a pervasive issue? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question uh, from a, a big picture perspective uh, because I see struggles with 
with the uh, ASC 842 Lisa County implementation, and as you mentioned, RevRec before that, and CISO after that. All of these are really part of a compliance story that's been playing out over about the past 15 years. Accounting standards have become more difficult to implement. That's a key, key part of the story that's happened in, in that time frame. Well, at the same time, unfortunately, companies' capabilities to implement standards have declined. So it's not surprising if you look at that big picture over time that we've ended up in the situation we're in now. And there doesn't appear to be immediate relief in sight. I would say the most fundamental reason for all this is that companies have lacked the human resources to prevent it from happening. Companies have not been willing and able to dedicate people to analyzing proposed standards and providing standard setters with meaningful input on how to make standards more operable. And similarly, companies have not been willing and able to invest in people who have the skills to overcome the problems of poor operability in issued standards. And meanwhile, standard setters and regulators haven't had enough people to do anything but watch this sorry situation unfold. So until companies and audit firms and standard setters and regulators see investments in people as the solution to compliance problems, the problems won't get solved. You know, Bruce, I hate to sound a, a cynical note here, but I can recall back probably in 2006, I was working on a big project studying Sarbanes-Oxley compliance in its very first few years back then. And we looked at a big study of what material weaknesses companies were disclosing. And the single largest category of material weakness was around human capital and uh, the lack of sufficient expertise to make sure that their internal controls were up to snuff. And that was God, it's got to be at least 13 years ago, going on 15 years when all of those disclosures were happening. And basically, you are telling me, yes, 15 years later, the specific problem that is bringing this to the fore has changed. But the underlying tension, like, so we still have not solved this since SOX in 2004, 5, and 6? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I, I think it really gets down to the fact that companies are probably better off today than they were 15 years ago as a result of a lot of the, the, the pressure that came about due to SOX and, and other things happening in, in the world of financial reporting. In absolute terms, we are probably better off. Mm -hmm. But in relative terms, because accounting standards have actually gotten much harder to implement, we still have a gap, GAP, between what companies are capable of doing based on the people that they have yeah. and the skill sets of those people and what actually needs to happen for companies to be in full and thorough compliance with these new standards, which are just simply more complex, more ambiguous, more open to interpretation, more of everything that is not particularly good from the perspective of, of having a standard that can be understood and interpreted and, and applied in the real world. So the problem has kept running away from us as, as we've kept chasing it. Yeah, we've made progress, 
but we still haven't caught up with, with the underlying issues yet. All right. Well, Bruce, that's all the time we have today, but you gave us plenty to think about. So uh, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me on. And again, everybody, that was Bruce Pounder, head of Gap Lab, talking to us about the new standard for lease accounting and how compliance with that standard has been unfolding so far this year and perhaps looking at some of the bigger uh, compliance challenges that the industry is facing. But that is all for this podcast. I'm Matt Kelly, editor of Radical Compliance. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time.